0: to this week's episode of Future of XYZ. With us uh, is Shalini Gogolpai. Shalini, welcome to Future of XYZ.
1: Thank you, Lisa. Very excited to be on with you.
0: Well, I can't wait to talk about the future of TV. Uh, You as general manager and vice president at Google TV, certainly, uh, and then with a background at Pixar and YouTube, certainly know a thing or two about it. but we got
1: to start with the most important question first. What is your favorite TV show? <laughs> Great question, Lisa. Um, I'm going to give you two. One is, you know, when I was growing up, uh, the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov was my all-time favorite. Uh, I think I was, I got into science and tech a lot of, because I was reading his novels. And so now to see Foundation on Apple TV Plus is quite it was quite impressive and amazing for me, and although the the show doesn't quite follow the book, uh, it's still very interesting and very well done. So that's something that I'm—it's definitely up there, and I've been watching. And uh, my favorite favorite is uh, HBO Max's Succession, which uh, they're now on season three. Uh, really gripping, you know, really very interesting tale about ambition, career, changing dynamics, and family dysfunction. Um, But still like the family staying together. And so, so those are my two right now.
0: It's great. Um, It's funny. You're the second person in a couple of days who's mentioned foundation to me. So I think I'm going to have to check that out.
1: Check it out. Yes.
0: Um, So let's talk about, I mean, when you describe secession and you talk about why it's, you know, compelling for you. I guess the question is what makes TV compelling at this point? I mean, you've obviously had lots of experience. What is it that's kind of universal?
1: You know what I think is universal about TV? So first of all, like I, I, you know, we talk about TV and we actually mean two things. And so a lot of people sometimes use them interchangeably. One is TV, the content which is what is the TV shows that are out there? What, is, what are the movies that are out there that are coming on TV? That's what I call the TV content, but we refer to it as TV. Um, and this day and age, you can watch TV content on any device. Um, so, and moving over to the device side, there is TV, the device, the actual television set. Um, and like I said, there are other devices which you're watching TV on. You're watching it on your iPad, you're watching it on your phone a lot of people, a lot of the younger kids think of their tablet as their TV. Yes. And so, you know, that word is getting a lot interchangeably used. But in my mind, like the reason people love TV, which is watching content, is because it tells stories, right? It tells stories that entertain us. They tell stories that inspire us. They tell stories that make us think, right? Like, I, oh, I, I didn't know that was true. And this TV show made me think about it. And so those are the reasons that I think people love TV. It doesn't matter what age you are. Uh, It's just depending on your age, you watch different things and you watch it on different devices, but you're still really watching TV. It's
0: interesting because I think when we think about TV, to your point, and I want to explore both of these sides, right? The content side and the device side, but I do want to talk about the device because When you think about the heyday of TV, I still think back, you know, kind of to the 1950s, this America, (laughs) you know, when the TV set was the centerpiece of the family life and the living room, but at least in America and and in many places, you know, the TV was a center of, again, family and community, but there were very few networks and few shows or content so people there was a there was a kind of um universality to the experience that is obviously changed fundamentally. What do you think, you know, about this kind of distribution of content, not to mention, you know, the 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 wealth of it. We'll get to that, but in terms of the distribution, does that change the experience and the impact?
1: Yeah, definitely it's the golden age of content right now, right? Lisa, like there are there are um Because of the internet, anyone can be a creator. And basically if you go onto YouTube or TikTok, everyone is a creator and everyone is telling their own stories through video, what we call sight, sound, and motion. Um, So I think definitely the distribution has gone much higher, what I call the heyday of content. Uh, We refer to this as UGC, user-generated content. Um, And then you kind of step in the middle spectrum, which is more what we call creator content, um, a lot of people are calling it the cre- new creator economy, where people are actually telling stories to make a living. So it's not just for fun, which is what UGCs are. It is actually to make a living. And, and you know, the, that economy is now $100 billion plus. So it's growing and it's really becoming big. And these are all like the creators on TikTok and on YouTube. And then we have the higher end of the spectrum, which is companies like Netflix, HBO Max, and the cable television of the pa- of the of the past and the future um, <laughs> that are making content that is very high production, like succession that I just talked about or foundation. What we typically used to think of as TV shows, those are still happening. But the spectrum, as I, as I mentioned, is getting a lot wider. And so people have a lot more choice, which is great. Like I, who doesn't want choice? What becomes difficult in that is a, how do I search and find content that I really want to watch? Cause there's so much of it. That is, that B, is an overwhelming reality for, for me. Yes. yes. And in fact, like on, on Google, we had done research before we launched my product, Google TV. One of the elements that we found from our consumers was that they were spending 30 to 45 minutes just trying to find what to watch. So they were not watching, they were trying to find it. Um, And that's one of the uh, aspects that my uh, product, Google TV, really tries to fix is really helping you find something to watch very quickly. Mm -hmm. But that's one problem set. Uh, The other problem is for the creator side is that they're seeing, because there's so much content, they're seeing lower number of audiences than they did in the past. So cable TV, for example, at one point, like you said, may have had 50% of America tuned into one show and having those communications that you were talking about. Now that's a little bit dropped off because they have more choices, but I still think like, you know, trending content, like Succession, for example, I will bet you like 50% of America, not, if not more, will get to it. It's just not live anymore. Like you'll watch it on demand. You'll watch it when it's convenient for you. You may watch it on your phone or your tablet, but people do get to those trending content. So, so I think they eventually do get the audience that they, they, were, they look forward to.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it, you, you talk about trending content. and So I grew up in Los Angeles without a TV for most of my childhood. So it's kind of this weird dichotomy. And I always feel a little bit, you know, kind of behind the eight ball on pop culture. But I will say that I I recently took to Ted Lasso uh, in such a major way. And everyone had been talking about it. And in fact, in an interview you recently gave, you quoted uh, kind of not a direct quote, but basically said, like, what makes a great leader? And and you you referred to Ted Lasso. So these characters <laughs> in the in the cultural zeitgeist are in fact becoming very much a part of our, our baseline. So even if not 50% of Americans are watching, it's quite interesting to observe uh, how it is in fact infiltrating us. Can you talk a little bit about a topic that's very important these days? And I know you're close to at Google, which is DEI, right? In, in terms of the equity, inclusion, and diversity that is required and needed to keep things moving, what is the role of TV and the responsibility, frankly, of content uh, to present the right face?
1: Yeah, um, that's something very close to my heart. Um, you know, the thing about TV, the reason we all love it, is because it really changes our behaviors you know like and some of it is subconscious like stereotypes that we see on shows they kind of stick with us and so our goal should always be how do we create content that doesn't create stereotypes but really helps us all expand our mindsets and so that's really really the big focus for us on google tv Uh, one of the features that we launched recently was called what to watch Um, and continues to uh, come out every month. So what we've done is it starts from the insight that you tend to watch what your friends or trusted sources tell you to watch. Like, hey, Lisa, watch Foundation. And right now in this show, you said you were gonna watch it because I mentioned it. Um, So that was the insight that made us go into a set of really great influencers who come from diverse backgrounds. And we asked them, what made you who you are? Like what shows and movies inspired you? And so we've had um, Laverne Cox from Orange is the New Black. Uh, we've had Hasan Manaj. They both have already ra- launched their Watch With Me series. And you should see some of the content that they described that inspired them. They're just amazing shows that will just break all kinds of stereotypes and really expand how you think about things. Um, and we've seen tremendous uptake from the watch list that they have recommended. We have a whole roster of creators and influencers who are gonna be coming on our watch with me, uh, so like, keep an eye on like it, Oprah's but that's something I'm very passionate about, sorry. It's like Oprah's book list. It, exactly, it's exactly like that. <laughs> it's very fun, that's very
0: cool. You talk about you know the search technology for which of course Google was founded and is known and incorporating that into helping people like myself who are lost in the content, uh, more apps uh, that exist. What other technologies are coming down the pipeline for TV that we should look for? I mean, and I, and I ask it, knowing that you came from Pixar, where you started your career working on Toy Story and A Bug's Life, which were the very first, if I'm not mistaken, uh, computer-generated animations. So well, technology is obviously <laughs> close to your heart. Um, what are the technologies that we can anticipate kind of starting to play more of a role?
1: Yeah, Lisa, the way I like to think about it is if you think about TV, the device, not just the show, but the TV, the device, it has also evolved over time. It used to be that there used to be those really fat, I don't know if you remember those really fat TVs, the cathode ray TVs with those two bunny ears that used to jump out. That was how TV used to be. Um, And people would like shake the antenna to get the reception. Then we had cable TVs and the TV started becoming slimmer and slimmer. Um, but they were still very much the content you got on it was streamed from a cable satellite, so what what we call broadcast, or from over the air. Now in today's world, the TVs are getting smart, what we call smart, because they're internet enabled and so they can actually do computations for you. Um, and so that's what makes TVs now even more interesting, because they're actually smart TVs and people are expecting more from them. And so you know, from our side, of course, search is a big part, like helping you find quickly what you want to watch. We have voice enabled TV, so you can just talk to it. You, know, you don't want to be lifting up your remote or other things. You just want to tell it, hey, TV, help me watch this or turn off the lights uh, or like who's at my doorstep. And you know, it brings up a video of your uh, doorbell at the, at the video on your doorbell. Those are all like experiences that TVs are bringing to life. The, the couple that I'm really excited about, one is fitness. So, you know, during COVID, what we saw was people stopped going to the gyms, but they started using their living rooms as their gyms. I mean, if you look at my living room, I have a ton of weights there and I turn it on in the evenings and I'll watch a video and I'll work out to it. So we ha- saw a huge uptick in terms of fitness applications. Uh, which I thought was really interesting, and you would have never thought about it on real TVs. But here now, TVs are able to provide you, like we're able to provide you a Peloton app or a Les Mills app, and you can just tune into it and work out. And I added benefits, if you have a watch, you can actually synchronize your heart rate and watch it on TV. You Kind of maybe over time, what we've been thinking about is you get a personal Trainer, that's really AI driven, but it's tracking and it's telling you move faster, go slower, or maybe posture detection that's as well. So that's one thing that I'm really excited about. Um, and then as TVs get cameras on them, I think video conferencing. So instead of me and you conferencing over a very formal um, space, you know, we could be lounging around in our living room talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And so those are like a couple of things that I'm very excited about.
0: So is there, what I'm hearing in all of that, which I think is probably obvious, but I think we should spell it out, which is this kind of confluence of all the devices slowly merging into one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what we call it at Google? We call it computational devices, like devices that can compute certain things for you. Um, and TVs are becoming those, just like, it's not as powerful of, as your phone, of course, it'll never be. Um, however, it can be pretty smart, and it can do some very intelligent processing, and then you can make use of it in many different ways.
0: Um, so in all of the work that you've done, which is, again, very, very impressive, um, what would you say is like the main, I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious why, first of all, I guess I'll, 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 I'll take a step back. You grew up in India. You were the only woman, I believe if I'm, or maybe not just woman, but the only person studying computer graphics at the Indian Institute of Technology, ITT, which is of course like one of the best engineering schools in the world. I mean, you obviously were a trailblazer. How in the world did you find your way to TV? (laughs)
1: Um, So I'll tell you a, a funny anecdote, which was I grew up in Bollywood. And Bollywood was just in my blood and I wanted to be part of it. And when I was uh, about 10 years old, I got invited to this movie to be part of it in in a small way, but still I was part of it. Um, And uh, so, you know, I was like, oh, Bollywood, here I come. I'm gonna be this phenomenal actress. And, uh, you know, the movie did so badly that even my parents didn't get a chance to look at it or watch it. And then many years later, as I was working at YouTube, I'd asked my team in India hey, can you find this movie? Like, Let's digitize it and put it on YouTube. And they couldn't find it because no one had bothered to digitize it. That's probably how bad it was. So anyways, that kind of told me like, maybe acting is not really what I wanna do or what I'm good at. Um, and then at that time, I started noticing Pixar animation. They had started coming up with early short films like Tintoy, which they actually got a, a Grammy, or I mean, sorry, an Emmy for. And that kind of opened my mind that maybe there are ways that you can use technology to make movies. And maybe that may be the better way for me to enter. And so that's really what got me into computer science with then over time, a specialization in computer graphics and then joining Pixar um, as my first job out of college. And that's, that's really where my TV journey started.
0: That's pretty amazing. Um, And if you were to think about like what you learned during your time at Pixar that you were then able to take to YouTube that you're now applying, leading and launching Google TV, which you launched kind of at the height of the pandemic last year. I mean, what is that red thread that keeps you coming back for more and that you really see is going to take your own career, but also TV into the future?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, um. Uh, well, when I was at Pixar, I was looking at the production side of entertainment. Like, how do you produce things that are entertaining? Um, so I learned a lot about storytelling and entertainment and production life cycles. Um, and then as the internet started coming about, I've always been a technologist at heart. And so as I saw the internet technology kind of picking up and really revolutionizing and democratizing how people could put their viewpoint out there, through web pages or through blogs, I realized like, hey, maybe this is an opportunity for video as well. And that's when you know I started looking at YouTube. And so when I joined Google, I actually moved to YouTube to really help think through how can we as YouTube really democratize the storytelling aspect. So I was in charge of the creator team So really, my job was to work with creators like Pixar and smaller guys, like I said, the UGC guys, the creator guys, and then, of course, the the top end. Um, My job was to work with all of them to ensure that they could find success. And, you know, what does success mean? It means reaching an audience and and at some point being engaging with the audience and then at some point monetizing that audience as well. Um, And because I came from Pixar, it was a really, a, a really great spot for me because I've been where they were, you know, I've not done it through the, I had not done it through the internet, but I knew production life cycles, I knew what inspires, I knew what entertains. And so I could really speak their language to really help bridge the divide between high tech and creativity. And that's really what I what got me at YouTube and really helped me scale our entire app and our program there. Which is
0: phenomenal. I think the statistic was you brought it from twenty thousand content creators to twenty million or something—quite uh, wild.
1: Yeah, two million. Yes.
0: <laughs> so I think um, I think one of the things, and as we're looking at wrapping up, I have a couple of last questions. But one that really stands out to me is you just used the word monetization, right? I mean, at the end of the day, TV has always been big money, right? I mean, you think about like a classic, you know, Super Bowl ad, for instance. I mean, as we really look at an ubiquity of content, a diversity of platforms, um, what, and devices, of course, how is advertising changing and the monetization of content in general? I mean, those are two different things, but where does the role of money and revenue come into all this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes people don't like to talk about money, but in the end, like no one can sustain if you cannot make money, like whatever you put in, you have to be able to get some returns on it. That's just how businesses work. And for TV, there have always been two primary forms of making money. One is, as you mentioned, advertising. The other is subscription. So you're actually paying a subscription fee like you used to do for cable. Now we do for Netflix and HBO. It's kind of a monthly fee. For all of them. (laughs) Yes, or all of them. Um, And and then there's transactional, which is, I just wanna watch this movie so I'll purchase it for 3.99 or I'll go to the theater uh, and I'll pay 15 bucks. Um, So those were the standard ways for TV content to really make money. Um, Not much has evolved since then, I would say. I think those three continue to be the ways that TV makes money. Um, And so if you think of advertising, What gets advertising going is one is reach and the second is frequency. So if I'm a creator, the only way to make money through advertising is to make sure I reach enough people and that they are tuning into my content at some regular basis. And so if I can hit that formula, then I can make money. So that's that's on the advertising piece. The subscription piece, you may need less number of audiences. So a lot of times you could do with one tenth of the audience, but it has your content has to be sticky enough and enough of that people want to keep paying for it on a recurring basis. And that's what we see with the Netflix or an HBO Max. Um, And then the transactional one continues to be a model that Hollywood continues to lean on. Um, Really, you know, I, I think there's nothing bigger than a theatrical release and the amazement of going into a theater and watching content there. So that continues to be, in my mind, like something that people will continue to do. Um, But it'll probably be for more bigger blockbusters.
0: Yeah, I I actually just went back into the theater myself not so long ago to see The Bond, which of course had been delayed two or three times because of COVID, because they knew that this is the way that people wanted to consume that content. And it really-
1: How did you like it?
0: it was wonderful to be back. In. I don't watch that many movies, but there's certain movies like Bond Always that require that experience. Uh, and for that, it was great to be back in and you know to remind ourselves, you know what 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 once was um, in a very different way. So,
1: yeah, nice, nice. I haven't seen it, but uh, I look forward to seeing it in the theater soon. Yeah, no, it's,
0: it's, it's worthwhile for sure, as they always are. Um, I won't, I, I'm i trying really hard not to give anything else away, so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> but my last question as we wrap up, Shalini, I, I think it's really interesting that you did grow up, as you say, in Bollywood. Um, one of the things that's fascinating to me about the ubiquity of content and the amount, the explosion, both of the user-generated stuff, but as well as these like kind of professional content creators there is a I can't quite figure out myself, and I'm curious to your perspective. Is the world because of all this content and TV kind of you know universality? Is the world getting bigger or is the world getting smaller?
1: Uh, that's a uh, so when you say the world getting bigger or the world getting smaller, do you mean the world getting smaller because we understand each other more, or the world getting bigger because there's more content?
0: <laughs> I think that's exactly the question. I mean, because there's so many niches that people can you know, dive into now. I think that makes the world much bigger and scarier in some places, whereas, you know, if if the world, everyone's sharing certain perspectives, and as you said, we get to know each other better, and you kind of deconstruct the other a little bit, because there is so much available. I can watch something from Poland or Russia or Korea at any moment. Does that make the world smaller and more communicative? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think that would be the goal that we would always want to pursue, at least my team does, which is how do we get different perspectives of each other and understand that we're all humans in the end and we're all entertained and inspired by very similar things, but we all have our differences too and those are to be celebrated. Um, I, I do agree with you Lisa that sometimes what we're seeing with algorithms is that they tend to put people into rabbit holes. So you start watching for example some Some show and then you're recommended that same show again and again. And so that's something that we have to be very mindful of which we are but you know we always have to keep looking at it like hey are we getting our consumers into rabbit holes and how do we make sure we're broadening their experience and not narrowing them down too much.
0: I appreciate that perspective. I think it's an important responsibility of all content creators and certainly the distribution platforms uh, as as Google TV is to to ensure that kind of strong perspective. Well, Shalini, this has been amazing. Uh, You're brilliant, obviously, and have such deep expertise. So I thank you for joining us on Future of XYZ to talk about the future of
1: TV. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really enjoyed our conversation.
0: Um, As did I, as do our listeners, I'm sure. And for everyone listening or watching, uh, thank you uh, to watch this episode of the Future of XYZ. If you don't already subscribe, you can do so on YouTube. You can also do so on most podcast streaming platforms from Apple and Amazon uh, to Spotify and beyond. And of course, make sure to follow Future of XYZ on Instagram. Or if you want to nominate a guest, we are taking submissions for later 2022, so you can visit future-of.xyz to do so. Again, Shalini, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And everyone else, we'll see you next week. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for listening to The Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.